Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I'm your host here at Grace Story Podcast. And thank you for joining us for this episode. It is jam-packed. We've got a lot uh, that we're going to talk about today with Jamie Taylor. So we're just going to jump right in. Let me tell you a little bit about her, and then we're going to go right to that conversation. Uh, Jamie Taylor, now she's someone who loves to help people find healing from emotional pain and trauma. She is a writer and a speaker uh, who uses her own experiences as a bridge to connect with others. Jamie lives in the beautiful state of Idaho with her husband and four children, and they are currently planting a church out there. Um, you can find out more about her and uh, her, her writing and her speaking at jamietaylononline.org. All right, so now that you know a little bit about her, um, let's go right to the conversation with Jamie Taylor. Okay, Jamie uh, is joining us from out west. Jamie, thank you so much, even though I know you're dealing with a little bit of the fallout from the most recent fires out there. Thanks for making time to be on today's episode of the podcast. Yeah, it's so fun to be here. I've been looking forward to this so much. So we're going to be talking about your most recent book, Sweet Dreams, Sweet One, Good Night, um, and who that's geared for. We're going to get into all that. But it's my understanding you wrote another book before this one, um, and, and the title of that, Finding Brave. Uh, can you tell me yes. a little bit about that one? Yeah. So actually the reason I wrote that one, that one came out in 2018, um, was because I would start chatting with people and they would want to hear my story because a lot of the people around me had noticed that there had been such a change in me over the, over the years that they had known me. And they would be like, what's going on with you? Like you have literally transformed into a different person. And I would start telling them the story. And I realized that I was repeating this story so many times and trying to help people with anxiety, with depression and helping them find freedom that I thought, you know what, I feel like I need to just write this down. And, and, I, and I did it actually partly because I just, it was almost more of an exercise for me as well. It's just like, we're going to just get this haul out. And it ended up being a book. Um, and I, it, I'm so thankful to know it has helped a ton of people. Um, they say this, a lot of people have said, um, that it was like, I was in their head, <laughs> like some of the things they had never told anybody that I wrote out in that book. Um, and they were able to find just the freedom to talk about their experiences too. Um, and so it, it's, it's hard. That book is, is very, um, special to me in that it's, it's a, it's my story about around anxiety and depression, but it's also one of those books that I'm like, I wish I could tell what's happened since, you know? So I have a lot of like, I have a lot of this desire to tell everybody like, okay, what, when I ended that book, there is so much more that went on. And I wish I could just like put this PSA to everybody and go, there's more, there's more, but, um, I can't, you can't do that with a book. You know, you just have to let it go and let it be where it is. And then, but, um, yeah, that book was super cool. Um, part of my story, just because I feel like it's been, so transfor transformational for so many people um, that have read it, and I'm I'm so grateful for that. So, speaking of your story, you're going to be one of the speakers at uh, Grace Story uh, this year, um, mm -hmm. and you're going to be sharing part of your story without giving away what you're going to be sharing at conference. 
um, because I'm so intrigued that the title Finding Brave, and it goes right along with our theme for this year of being brave, um, which is very timely right now. But can you, without ruining conference, um, share with us some of your your story out of out of that book and, and how you were, you know, found some restoration? Yeah. All right. So growing up, um, I've been in, uh, I'm a ministry kid. Um, my parents, <laughs> my parents were missionaries, uh, pastors and then missionaries in Africa. And we went when I was seven and really great childhood, great experiences, loved it. It was, you know, uh, I could go on and on about those stories, but I can't, <laughs> but there's really cool things that happened as a child. But one of the really sad things that happened was we were part of a traumatic, um, event where, um, there was this armed robbery that happened and they actually took my dad hostage for a while. And, um, I was the only child who woke up and saw these men, um, with my dad. So wait, 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 where, where are you in all this? Because are you on a road? Are you at home? No, we are at home. It's nighttime. So you're supposed to be safe. Yeah. So yeah, I'm in my bed. I look up, I wake up and I see these forms having my dad, you know, right out there in the hallway, like literally right out Hmm. by my bed. And, um, you know, they had guns and I, so we, anyway, long story short, they had come through, we didn't have uh, bars on the windows yet. They had come through the windows and they took a bunch of our stuff. They took my dad. And so I, we wake up and we run into the bush. There's just this, like a lot of trauma that I didn't realize was trauma. Like we went through that experience. Thankfully my dad was released and, and he was okay. And we, we got through it, but I didn't realize the impact of that night on the rest of my life. And there was other things that had happened in my life that were traumatic, but I feel like that one is the big one. Um, that as I, as I got older, um, I was having these issues and I didn't understand why. And I went into counseling and all of a sudden this event came out and I'm like, I thought, you know, I guess I just didn't really think about it. I didn't understand how significant that was. And so part for, for the reason the book is called finding brave is because for me, um, my entire story of like, when I was, let's see, I'm trying to remember the date. It was like 2011 when I made a decision that I was going to, going to try to figure out what was going on because what, what, the way I was living was not working. Um, I had severe agoraphobia which for people who don't know is basically, um, fear of being anywhere where escape is not easy. And so like, I had to be on a stage a lot, horrible. I mean, you talk about anxiety that I thought was going to kill me. Um, I couldn't go to a grocery store without having a panic attack. I couldn't drive in my car without having a panic attack. I mean, everything that I had to do in life, I couldn't do. So let yeah. me ask you, how old were you when this happened? The, the traumatic event with, with the kidnapping, old. eight years old. Yes. Okay. And without giving away your age, we'll assume that 2011 is some time from that. Maybe, you know, 10 or so years, maybe 20, who knows? <laughs> it's a few more than that. <laughs> so would you, you, are you high functioning and you're just hiding all this or what, what yes. does your life look like? Yes. Hiding, hiding it from everyone, except for, uh, there was a couple of people who kind of had a, had a clue. Um, and my, my, of course my husband knew and helped me through some of this stuff, but yeah, I hid it from pretty much everybody. People had no clue. I was a, I was a very good actress. So Um, let me ask you this. 
why why did you feel the need to hide it yes oh, that's a huge question <laughs> well there's a lot um part of it was my own fear of admitting that i had anxiety mm. um there felt like there was a stigma around it it felt like weak people had anxiety in my opinion i had i had actually said some very hurtful and um, judgmental things about people who had anxiety and depression because I didn't understand. I, I didn't even realize that what I had was anxiety. Um, I didn't, wouldn't name it. Um, I wouldn't, um, I think growing up in the church, I, the church environment that I did well, and I think the entire church, Western church environment, per, actually, um, there, there really is this idea that you, if you have feelings of anxiety, you pray them away. Um, you don't talk about it for some odd reason, which I can't quite figure that one out. Um, but I just felt like I, I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone, anyone. And honestly, the, the crazy thing is, is I've, I've actually tried to analyze that and go, why? Because it's not like, I mean, I had wonderful parents who were open. We talked about so much. Um, I had family members and friends that were were amazing. And I don't know why I felt like I couldn't, but there, there was definitely a stigma and I felt like I couldn't talk about it. So I hit it. Well, you know, we had talked on, on, on podcasts with, uh, our content strategy director, Ryan Waters, and he talks about individuals who look back at a, I had a great childhood. I had, I believe it's in the, the episode roles we play, but I had a great childhood, but I still have these problems why? And it sounds like you kind of fit that bill to a T. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and, you know, there's things, there's a lot of things that I, I won't get into on the podcast because I feel like they are more appropriate for one-on-one -on -one conversations with a person in an actual face-to-face. -face. Um, and it's not something I just take, send out to everybody, but of course there was dysfunction in, in, in the, some of the things that coming up, not even, not even necessarily just my family, but just, um, some of the circles we were in, I could say, and some of the things there were, there were things that I took on that I should have never had to deal with never. And so I'll say that first of all. And so I have a, a really, um, soft spot in my heart for people who I feel like are manipulated and who are, um, in the name of like spiritually, you know, in the name of, of religion or yeah. in the name of, of Jesus are taught things that are absolutely harmful, harmful to children. And that definitely had happened with me. Um, where, so, so I, so yes, I had that from one traumatic event, but I also literally went tonight, but too much to my bed every single night thinking I had to pray and ask Jesus to forgive me for my sins that day because just in case I really felt like I was headed to hell. I mean, we're talking it from an age of like six. So yeah, that is a problem. And that was not, and I, I say that not to like, that was not my parent, even my parents fault. That was like a bunch of other voices that were coming in, um, partly from it, that I just, and my poor little heart could not handle it, could not understand it, could not make sense of it. And so I think it is, I want to say this now, not to get off on a tangent, but I think it's important as parents, especially when we're in faith communities, that we are careful in how we present the truth to our children, <laughs> that we are careful not to, you know, um, accidentally 
lead them down a road of, of anxiety. That's not necessary because I mean, I was such a precious little child. Now I can actually, I'm like, I had such a heart for God and such a tender conscience and such, such a tender spirit. And here I was like, I mean, absolutely sure that God was sending me to hell that night. Well, it sounds like, and I want to be, I, I want to be clear with my thoughts, but Mm-hmm. I think the the scripture would even and correlate with what you're saying because you know Jesus said don't be like the Pharisees, yeah. uh, and it sounds like even at such a young tender age, you wanted to do what was right, you wanted to please God, but from what you were taught, and you're a kid, so you're taking in what you're taught. It was very yeah. transactional, like let's clear the docket for today. Um, this is yeah. what I did. Um, yes. I will accept your grace now, your forgiveness. We've got a clear slate for tomorrow. Let's see what tomorrow holds because I'm going to screw up right. again. Uh, it's so true. How did, I mean, that had to feed into your anxiety as well. Oh, 100%. And sometimes when I think now as a, as an adult, looking back at that precious little girl, like I can actually look at her and go, oh honey, like I just really want to just hold you right now and tell you everything's okay. Because I mean, you imagine that kind of anxiety. Imagine if I, I, I think of my own children, I've got four children ages 14 down to seven. And I think of my little seven-year-old daughter, if she was going to bed every night thinking that she was going to be doomed to hell, um, the anxiety that that, oh my goodness, the anxiety that that brings up, um, it's tragic. And it, and, and, and that's an everyday thing. That's not, that doesn't go away. That wasn't something that I just did once or once a week or that's, I thought that almost every single night. And so you, you couple that with other stuff that I was going through, plus the traumatic event, um, some significant loss in my life at a young age. Um, there, yeah, there's just, it's, there, there was a lot there that, that piled up. So without going down another rabbit trail, cause it, the more I get into to these types of things and counseling and the way we mm-hmm. talk to ourselves. I mean, there are so many, there's so much there. <laughs> yes. Rabbit trails for days. One of the concepts we're going to be getting into later with, with Ryan, our content strategy director, and being very careful with it, is the concept of reparenting. I think there can be some negative things around it uh, where, where we might look at it as relying too much on ourselves or humanistic, like, you know, I can do this myself without God, but that's not the point of it at all. But listening to you talk about if I could go back and talk to that little girl or if I could go back and wrap my arms around that little girl. And while you can't change the past, you still are that little girl. You have more knowledge now and you can talk to that little girl. Yep. So perfect segue to in your book, um, is that kind of where you were going? What's the inspiration behind that? The new, the new book, the yeah. new children's book? Yeah. Okay. So I, when I finally started going to counseling, um, it took several years because of once again, a stigma. Um, and I finally started going, um, it was probably about three years in to counseling and I still go to counseling regularly. Okay. So this was, um, let's see, I want to say I've been going to for about five years. I feel like I've been going for about five years. I need to, I need to look that up. But anyway, um, I, a few years in, I was having a counseling session that was particularly helpful. Okay. I had, I was amazed at how far I'd come and how I had been able to work through some of the trauma. And I was talking about myself as a little girl 
a little eight-year-old girl and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of it, my counselor looked at me and said, have you ever thought of what you could do to help children who've been through trauma? Mm. Like as a child, like, like right then when they're a child. And I was like, no, that's never even crossed my mind, you know? Um, and she said, well, I think, I think that might be something you want to just think about. Like, how could God use you and what you've been through? And all, the whole way home, I just, I prayed the entire way drive home. Lord, if you have something you want to give me for children, um, please do it. I'm ready. I'll do it. I'll do whatever. As soon as I got home, I sat down and wrote out this entire poem within a matter of minutes, entire poem. And I was like, okay, that was weird because that's not something that just happens to me all the time. And it was the, the start of this book. And it was just the idea of, um, I wanted a, of course it went through different revisions and everything and it changed, but the original idea was when this is happening. So one of the things that I used to struggle with really, really, really bad was nighttime, uh, fear of the dark. Um, when, when there was bad thunderstorms, I mean, for some reason, those things would bring a lot of anxiety. Of course, I know now why some of those things would bring anxiety, but, um, and so I just spoke when that happens, you know, just remember this. And then when, when you have the, the loss of someone you love, um, I had some significant losses that really, really impacted me on such a deep level that still to this day, I will get um, choked up talking about them. And so I wanted to speak to the person who had gone through loss and trauma and, and who felt anxiety. So I just started speaking to them to let them know that it's going to be okay. Like, I know that just taking a big deep breath is not like, that's one of the lines in the book is breathe in, breathe out when your feelings are whirling and wandering, but so much, we, so many times we need to do that. And to remember that your story is not over yet. I know it feels awful right now, but keep walking. And also the idea that I feel like, so we, so there was, there was that whole aspect, but we were foster parents for several years. And so that was something that, that really informed this book as well. Um, the idea that <laughs> the space those precious children are in right there might feel hopeless, but it's not the end of their story. And there's, and, and they're going to be, they're going to grow into somebody amazing. They just, they just need somebody to guide them and they need to keep focused on the right thing. And so that's kind of, that's like a, a small way to describe it, but that's kind of, where it came from. So looking through the book a little bit before this, I mean, when you're talking about the people's journeys and, and they're not over and encouraging them right where they are, um, some of what I've read is de-escalating. And also we've talked on the podcast about grounding and instructors have walked us through grounding concepts in our community. Um, so how much of that was, cause I've read it and it seems like that's intertwined in there in a creative way for kids to ground themselves. Yes, that's exactly what it, what it is. And there's some things in there that I actually included some little, some little surprises in there, um, that I included that I I'm hoping, um, will be fun too for children. There's the ideas that, um, so one of them is, one of the little girls has a butterfly. Okay. There's always a butterfly with each in each of her pages. 
and hers is about fear and anxiety. And, um, I put that in there because of the idea it, that that was specifically from counseling, the idea that, um, when you have one of those feelings, you imagine that that is that feeling is a butterfly that literally just lands on your, on your palm for just a minute, right? It's okay. It, you, it's gonna, it's gonna land there, but it's gonna go away. And that was one of the, the, the word, the, the word pictures that, my counselor gave me to help me deal with when, because we all have those emotions. I don't care who you are. You may not run away with them, but you have emotions of anxiety and fear. Most of us have them weekly. Um, and so learning to just, just observe that, that emotion and it will, it will leave, it will pass. It always does. It will fly in, it'll fly out again. And so I included that little butterfly um, in this, in this story as kind of just like a, it's, it's just a nod to that idea that, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, and, and it's just a feeling, right? Like there's a picture of her holding it. Like, it's like, it's okay. You know, like it's going to go, it's, this is going to fly away. And, um, and so, yeah, there's definitely some, some, um, things that I put in there. Um, and just in, in some of the language too, of the book, um, the idea of, it's not like necessarily cognitive behavioral therapy, but it's that idea that, don't, you don't, we don't need to focus on the fact, like feel the emotion. Like we want to feel the emotion. It's okay to feel sadness. It's okay to feel, um, fear and anxiety and loss and all those things, but they don't get to call the shots. <laughs> it's teaching that I'm hoping it's teaching children from a young age. This is not the thing that defines you. It doesn't call the shots. It doesn't inform your next step. What does inform your next step is you need to walk tall and walk strong. You need to breathe in. You need to breathe out. You need to keep going because this story is not over. This is passing. There's a lot there. Um, and it makes me want to ask you the question, who is this geared for? Because while, while it's, is it geared towards kids or is it for a parent as well? Who's reading it to a kid? Who's, who's this for? I'm hoping it's for everybody, honestly. And, and when I, if you, uh, you may have noticed at the very end, I actually include um, this idea of how when people feel big emotions, sometimes we want to wish them away or we want to shove them aside. And we don't like it when we feel afraid, sad, or anxious. So this could be to a parent or a child. I mean, if, I'm hoping that if there's, a, there's a parent out there that when reading this, they have an epiphany of like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I say, I say, but our bodies can tell us when something isn't working right, because our bodies are amazing and they do give us clues when something is, is not functioning correctly. Um, emotions and feelings can help us understand that something isn't going okay in our brain or the rest of our body. And it's important to understand that emotions don't get to tell us what to do. They tell us about something that needs to be talked about. Right. So I included that because that's for children and for the parent to go, I'm noticing some problems with my emotions. Um, so I need to figure out what's behind that. Sure. And so often we just get caught up in the emotion itself. When I think of an emotion, I, I try to think of uh, like flares. They're so yeah. dramatic and they're, they're fire and they're lighting up the sky. And really, what is a flare for except to draw attention to where the flare came from? Uh, yes. down below. And so often we just get distracted looking 
in another direction and get caught up in trying to um, find something to help with the emotion and feel okay about it mm-hmm. when really there's something deeper there. Um, yes. To your point about who it's geared for as well, Ryan gave us an exercise and a couple podcasts ago to think about, you know, a kid in your life that you just adore is the term he used. And how would you talk to that kid? And it sounds like your book too might be a good way for someone who's realized that they may not be talking to themselves like they would a child. It could walk them through how they can do that. I genuinely hope so. And I've actually had a few people who are my age or slightly younger when they read it, I mean, they would get tears in their eyes and just say, this book is for me. Um, so a book that I wrote with children in mind could help adults as well. And I, I mean, literally they said, I had one person that just said, I cannot tell you I needed that book like right now. Um, and so that to me is such a blessing like that, that it could help. Yeah. Any age really. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more just after this. Hey, it's Nate here, and I'd like to personally invite you to join us November 13th and 14th of 2020 for a unique weekend of fun, growth, and learning to love God, others, and yourself in deeper ways. Hear from storytellers like Jamie Taylor, author of Finding Brave, and Rachel Henry, Broken to Brave, as they share their stories of living out courage and forgiveness. Learn from our master's level instructors as they address spiritual, physical, relational, and emotional issues relevant to where you live. Worship together as Brent Vernon leads us closer to our good, good father through a blend of old and new favorites. Enjoy fellowship during our improved self-care vendor market, including a complimentary coffee bar. Grace Story Pastor Blake Jones will close out the conference with a special time of community as we are reminded that we do indeed serve a trustworthy God. You won't want to miss this exciting year packed full of new tools, education, and a weekend of fun. Go to GraceStoryMinistries.com to register. One session of counseling can cost between $90 to $150. With Grace Story Conference, though, you're getting seven sessions for right around $25 each, plus Saturday lunch, ice cream, self-care vendor market, and much, much more. Be sure to reserve your spot soon, though, because due to COVID restrictions at the venue, we do have to limit the number of in-person tickets sold. If you can't make it this year, we understand, and we're so excited to share that we're offering a live access pass for those who cannot attend in person this year. Go to GraceStoryMinistries.com and click register to continue your journey of restoration. We'll see you at conference. So this is kind of a sidebar, but uh, I had wrote this down to kind of ask you a little bit later, but it seems appropriate now. So your story obviously matters, um, and you're using your story to help other people. And you've also said your story's not done. You're, you're still working through things. You're moving forward. But, I mean, so often some people think that they need to put some credentials. I've been guilty of this. I need to put some credentials behind my name before I'm qualified to share my experience, my story, and make a difference. So let's see, uh, counseling degree. Well, that's a master's. I don't know if I want to do that. Coaching. Oh, well, that's seven months out of my, like, so, I mean, what gave you the, um, the inspiration, the gumption really to start sharing your story on that level? You talked about people are asking you and you're writing a book, but you do more than that. 
a book can be passive and you just share the book. You actively go out and share. You're on the podcast. Um, you're going to conferences sharing. What gives you the inspiration the, to, to face that challenge? Wow. Well, I'm kind of laughing inside because this was such a huge, that, that whole idea is a huge part of my story. Um, I recall a conversation I had, I think a couple years ago with a friend and I said, I don't think I can, I can do this because I don't have a counseling degree. I don't have any credentials. Um, I, I was an RN. Um, I say, and I, and I, I didn't even like, I was trained as a nurse and left nursing, um, because it was not for me, um, loved helping people, but that was not the field for me. So I, I kind of joke that I, I like to help people heal in matters of heart and soul now. <laughs> so, I understand um, completely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know, I was a nurse who that didn't work out. I'm kind of one of those people who've done a lot of different things in my life. I'm a creative by heart, actually by, by nature, I'm a creative. So I'm like, who am I to, first of all, write a book? Who am I to talk about this? I have zero credibility. Nobody knows me. Nobody knows, like, what are they going to listen to? And, and somebody helped me and they're like, you know, really, does that matter? I mean, you're just telling your story. And yes, I do. Um, I do do, I do a lot of research. I love to research. So I do know a lot about this topic just simply because life experiences, I've done tons of counseling. In fact, my current counselor always goes, when are you going to just face up to the fact that you need to go be a counselor? Like they, they I mean, literally they just look at me like, when is this going to happen? And at first I was like, no way. And then, you know, I, now I'm kind of like, okay, I could see maybe, but I, I don't think we need to wait necessarily until we have that degree to talk about something that we know, we know something about, like, I, I know a lot about this topic, partly because I've lived it, mm -hmm. but because I've done a lot of hard work, a ton of hard work. Um, when I started counseling, I took it on like a job and I, <laughs> I, I was kind of funny because I was like, I am going to do this with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, um, I did, and I've learned a ton. And so why wouldn't I share that with people? You know, well, you so sound, almost, kind of you sound like someone who is very goal oriented and, uh, likes to achieve those goals. Um, so I know I, I most recently, I recently started my counseling journey a couple months ago and I went into it and I had to tell my counselor, I said, listen, we're going to have to be careful because I can approach this as, um, well, some other people needed six sessions. I'll probably just need five. I can do this. Give me, uh, what the work is going to be. I'll get it done and we're going to win and, but we're going to do it in record time. Um, yes. and man, it's not like that at all. You're like, Oh, okay. The um, more you uncover, the more you realize you have to uncover. And then you're like, Oh, I'm going to be doing this for a while. Um, yeah, I remember that same thing, right? The first time I went to counseling, I was like, okay, basically like, give me what I need to do. I, yeah, just give me the checklist, fix me, and I'm going to be out the door. And here we are years later, and I still go to counseling on a regular basis. So yeah, it's not how it works. <laughs> so what would you say in that counseling journey and your, your general journey of restoration, what was maybe the, one of the bigger challenges that you had and how did you overcome that? Yeah. The first challenge would be to admit I had a problem. 
Okay. That part and oh my goodness, so many people will not do this. I, it, this is one thing that gets very, I get very, I'm going to be real honest with you. I get impatient with, and this is where I have to have a lot of, <laughs> I have to have a lot of patience because I was that person. I was that person who said, I don't have a problem. Um, and so I, but I just want to go, all right, you know, the sooner you admit that this is an issue, the sooner you can get on your road to recovery and healing and restoration and your life is going to change so dramatically. I just want to like, let people know. So, so that is, that's, that, that was my biggest challenge. Okay. Um, I would say on, um, on a side note with that, being in the ministry, I, I was married to a pastor when I, when all of this came out about my anxiety and my depression. So I, you know, I came out, um, and shared my story in the middle of a fishbowl, you know, situation. And so that was a little difficult. Um, I wanted to keep that, you know, it's not as much this way anymore, but I would say it's, it, it still is to a, to an extent where people expect their, their ministers and their, the, the families to be something different. They just do. They expect something more out of them. <laughs> and, um, and, and okay. On this note, I've, I, I just feel like I should say this. Why do we treat the brain any different than any organ of the body? Why do we, okay. So, so say the person who has cancer, who has diabetes, I mean, who has some kind of chronic illness, we are totally fine with that, you know, with saying, well, okay, we're going to pray for healing for that, but you need to do this, 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 and this. Um, and God doesn't always heal them. Right. And, and, but yet with the brain, they go, you just need to pray for healing. Mm -hmm. And you know what? God does sometimes miraculously heal people from anxiety. I've actually heard of stories and it's, it's beautiful. And they actually give me hope. I mean, I have been a little annoyed at those people. I have to admit a little bit jealous. <laughs> like, why can't I have that experience? But at the same time, um, does everybody get healed from cancer? Mm. No, not everybody does. Does everybody get healed from diabetes or chronic illnesses? No, not everybody gets healed from anxiety and depression. And so we, a lot of times have to go on this journey. Um, and so medication, okay. Medication was one of those things that was such a, oh my goodness, such a hot button topic for me. And I was on medication for about four years and then was able to come off of it. And I detail it in the book, but what I, what I haven't obviously been able to share is that I've had to go back on medication. And I say that without any kind of, um, reservation now, because it's just, it's my reality. And the fact of the matter is, okay, so I went about a year and a half without it, was so thankful to be off of it. But then people around me started going, I think, I think this is something we need to talk about because it was affecting certain areas of my life. And I was not able to, I was not able to function normally. Okay. I, you know, like just a, just a base level human, you know, there were things that were becoming a problem and so why, why is that any different? My brain wasn't working right. I was doing, I was doing all the things, you know, like trying to get physical activity, trying to take the vitamins and supplements, trying to eat right, trying to go to counseling, praying, doing all, you know, all the things that they say will 
I'm, I'm, you know, quote unquote, cure your anxiety, um, journaling, blah, 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 you know, just the whole thing. And my anxiety was not okay. Well, when you, so when you get to that point, you go, there's something deeper here that I need to fix. Okay. Why is that any different than the person who has diabetes, who also walks every day and, and tries to be careful with what they eat and takes the vitamin supplements, but they're not cured from their diabetes. So, so that was, um, you know, it, being in the church, when I kind of like had to tell my story and, and talk about it, there was a stigma around it. So that was a challenge. There, sure. I, I think there still is somewhat of a stigma and not just the church, although that's very, very important right. for us to talk to talk about. Yes. But in general, I mean, if, if you were to be at work and you found a certain, certain shaped pill and you know, oh, that's for, that's an anti-anxiety medication. Who around here do we need to watch so they don't jump off the ledge? Uh, who, who's got the problem? I don't know if I want them on my project because they'll just drag me down, but these are high functioning people. I mean, these are people that, that want things to be lined up. They want to, they, they might go too far and like have you at a hundred percent of what you, when 80% would push it out and be right. just fine for everybody. Yep. Um, so there still is that stigma, but I bet you, yes. I bet you in today's time that with what I see in the hospital and the, the need for psychiatric nurse practitioners currently, that there's a lot more people dealing with, with this than would like to admit going back yeah. to your earlier point of, well, I shouldn't let this out because people will think X, Y, and Z. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, I, I, can I just speak to those people who are feeling, you know, that stigma and just say, you know what, push past it and talk about it. Like it's, it's going to help you so much to talk about it. If I could go back, if I could go back to that first, that literally the first month where I had my, my big panic attack that kind of, it didn't start at all, but that's where it was like, you know, caused this like cycle to start happening. Um, I wish I could get help immediately and talk about it immediately instead of hiding it. And so, so don't, don't wait, don't wait to talk about it. Well, let me, let me, let's, let's go a little bit further there because what would you say? So someone's struggling with anxiety, debilitating, it's changing their life. Mm -hmm. Um, from what you're saying, they kind of sound frozen in a way mm -hmm. talking to somebody Yes, but what, what does that look like? What is that next step? Who do you reach out to? And what did that look like for you? Well, for me, I got to the point, so I for about four years, I completely hit it. Um, and I ended up having um, what I think was like a nervous breakdown. I mean, I, it wasn't like really diagnosed as that, but from what I've understood and read later on in life, I like, I, I get that's what was happening. Um, where all of a sudden I had this moment where my whole body stopped functioning. Um, I had to just lay there in on the couch. I couldn't move everything hurt. Um, and when I went to the doctor, like a few weeks later, um, first time I had ever talked to the doctor about anxiety. So we're talking four years. I'd lived hiding anxiety. This is the first time I would talk about it. And I just sat there with tears, just streaming down my face and talked about what happened. And he, thankfully I had such a kind doctor and just looked at me with such compassion and said, your body is so tired. Like he didn't even know I was going through all this. 
He's like, you have been living panic attack to panic attack for four years and your body cannot handle this. It can't sustain it. It's giving up. Um, so that was what was the kind of the catalyst for me. But I think for somebody who doesn't get to that point, maybe don't let yourself get to that point. Um, I think I, you know, I would, if you're, if you're a person who is a person of faith, I would just pray for God to give you wisdom on who to talk to, obviously, because not everybody's helpful when it comes to this. That's the problem. Um, you might talk to somebody. I've had so many people basically be like, oh, I don't really know what you're going through. I've never dealt with that. And you're going, actually, you have, like you have so bad, but I can't, that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, they don't, they're just not helpful. They're not going to help you on your journey to healing. So I would, I would talk to your, your regular doctor. If anybody else start there. When you're, when you have, make an appointment, if you haven't seen a doctor in a long time, make an appointment and say, I think I might be having trouble with this. They have incredible um, tools that you can be honest with. You can write down how you're feeling. Um, and my, my own personal doctor has been so good with, with my anxiety journey, just to, you know, I go see him once a year and we talk it out and that's a great way to start. Even if you don't want to go to counseling yet, start there. So I want to ask you a question just before, because I do want to ask you about kind of how you started into counseling and give people just, yeah. you know, not about your specifics, but your experience, maybe what they could expect going to counseling. But what, what would you, and you kind of alluded to them, what would you say to people that are, are saying just, hey, anxiety about life happens. Life is hard. Um, so, you know, buck up. Let's go. Um, it's not that big of a deal. And you probably should jog more because that's what works. I, I mean, you just let it out there. Uh, what would you say to those people that, that don't think it's a big deal? Oh, bless your heart. No, that's, that sounds mean. Um, I love you, but you're just, this is the thing. Why is the brain the one with the stigma? Why do, why do we think that we have the answers for that particular organ more than anything else. Um, but we will go see a doctor. We will go see a specialist. We will go see whatever for any other part of our body that is not working correctly. So that's what I would, I would say, first of all, but the people that say buck up, you might think that you can handle what you're going through. Okay. But you are having an effect on every single person around you. So if you are married, you are affecting your spouse. If you have children, you are passing down bad habits and bad behaviors to them. Why wouldn't you want to just deal with some of the, the ways that anxiety and may possibly depression is changing the way, you know, it, it changes the way we react to things, even with our, you know, within our families. And, um, I know for me, like there was some things that, yeah, could I have lived my life without ever getting counseling and ever getting help? Yeah, I could have more than likely. I probably would have been a kind of a, a hermit in my home. I really wouldn't have gone very many places. People would have had to help me with a lot of things, um, just to survive. Um, I probably would not be a very, um, I think there would be some things that would have happened in my marriage and with my children that would not have been healthy. 
if I looked back over the years. And so I am just a much healthier person because I made that hard decision to get help and go to counseling and, and do all the, I mean, there's been so much more. It's not just like, oh, I went to counseling and I am a better person. Um, that's, that's another thing. I'll, I will say this. Um, a lot of times people won't go to counseling because they have this idea that it's just talking. Right. Have you heard? I mean, it is, that's not how counseling is supposed to be just so you know. And if you have gone to a counseling personal experience, yes. <laughs> and that's all you've done. No, that that's, I mean, yeah, talk therapy is fun. Like I actually kind of enjoy talk therapy, but that's not, that's not what counseling is supposed to be. Uh, and, and my, and just segueing a little bit into my experience with counseling, what I didn't realize what it was is you have this person, first of all, who is an expert who has been trained, which is that's powerful in itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to listen to what you're saying and say, that's interesting. You would say that, have you ever thought about it this way or, or figure out what, what, what's behind that thing that you just said, because it's not usually what the, that, without statement you make, I'll never forget when my husband and I went to marriage counseling a couple of years ago and we had never done that before. And it was, it was crazy and good and all the things, you know, but, um, also horrible, you know, let's just be honest. Cause when you start pulling out things that are like in your marriage, you're like, Oh, I didn't realize we were so dysfunctional. Okay. That's fun. Um, and because you think it's normal, right? You think you're just moving along in your life. You're like, that's normal. That's what we do. That's how we act. And then somebody goes, why do you do that? Like, you're like, Oh, okay. And, and that's, that actually happened to us where we were discussing something that, and I said, this is how I do things. And this is the way I do it because I don't want to ruffle this you know, basically, and I'll give a little insight. We were talking about Sunday mornings because Brian was a pastor, right? And, and, um, it was like Sunday mornings. I treated them very, very, um, special. And I would be like, okay, we're not going to, we're not ever going to get in any disagreements because we have to go serve these wonderful people at the church. And so we're going to keep things very quiet. I'm not going to say anything that will ruffle the, any kind of situation in the home. Um, and I had this whole thing. And so we're talking about this at the counselor and he's like, so tell me why you do that. And I'm like, that's a problem. No, I think that's a really great thing. That is my method and it works really well. Well, what I didn't realize was to have an outside person looking on going, what actually what you're doing is you're not being honest. You're, so like if something comes up on that Sunday morning, you won't talk about it. So that's not really a real relationship. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Okay. So then we had to talk, we had to dive into that whole conversation. So I guess my point is counseling is a way to go to, to challenge patterns and, and, and things that you might think that are just totally normal and realize, Oh, wow. I actually have some faulty thinking here. So with your counseling, when you went towards it, did, did you have like goals in mind or did you just like, Hey, we're going to go figure this out because people said it's helpful or, you know, what you walk into that first, first meeting after filling out, you know, the about me form or whatever, and you, you swipe your card or whatever they have you do. And you walk in and you're like, 
All right. So what do we do now? Like, what, what does that sit down on the couch? When do they, because we have listeners who might just be thinking about this, like, yes, counseling's great. Sitting down, I'm assuming they bring out the ink spots first. Is that what they do? And then you look at those or what, what does that look like? So what, what was your experience walking in to that okay. first meeting and what expectations should one have? Yes. First thing I'm going to say real quick is this. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. If you don't, if you have a bad experience with a counselor, I'm, t- I'm going to promise you right now, that is not all counselors. So please try again, try again, try again. So for me, the, the reason I actually went to counseling in the beginning was because I was having panic attack, panic attacks on stage and I was leading worship and I had grown up on on stages. I was a, a pastor's kid, a missionary kid. I went to Bible college. I had sung and I had shared on stages and I could not figure out why I was not able to stay up there. I mean, I had panic attacks so bad that I, w- I felt like I was going to die. And so I went into counseling and it, it was just to fix that one problem. That was the problem that I needed to fix. So you only had and one so, problem that needed just one. Good, good. Yeah. That'll take no time at all. I mean, that's the one I was willing to talk about. Yes. And I remember sitting on that couch and, oh, wow. You know, I was terrified. I was terrified. Um, I remember shaking inside. I remember thinking, what are we going to talk about? I don't understand. I, I don't really have anything. I know I have anxiety, but I don't really know what, what is, how is this going to help? And yeah, I, honestly, I don't remember the very first one. I do remember talking a little bit about myself and, and, and the reason I was there. Um, and I think too, if somebody's wondering what they're going to talk about, cause I have heard that somebody says, what are we going to talk about? I don't even know. I promise you, if you get in there, um, they're just so good at asking the right questions and, and getting you started. And then you end up, um, down this trail that you're like, Oh, I didn't even know I needed to talk about that today. And as a, as a believer, um, in Jesus, I, I believe that the Holy spirit is with me. And so I would, I would ask literally before every session, I still do this Lord, take us where we need to go today. Fix the spots in my brain that need to be fixed today. And I still do that. Um, and every time, Every time we end up, and we can sometimes end up on something that I was not anticipating that is um, that's something we need to talk through. Well, when whenever you think about it as it's not just me and my counselor in the room, it's me and yes. A, a trained professional who believes in God, and then also, yes. you know, the creator of the universe is there as well. Yes. All of a sudden, it becomes this, this powerful moment where I don't need to figure out what I need to talk about today. I have some things on my mind, but first of all, the trained professional, it's almost like when you walk in and you shake their hand and you say, hello, they're like, that's interesting. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, like they, they already have stuff that they're, they're wanting. I mean, and I get it on the medical side because I walk into some yeah. patient's room and I shake their hand and talk to them. And I already have most of my assessment done about them. And I'm like, hmm, okay, that is interesting. But from, yeah. you know, the, the mind, the, these people are on that level. Uh, and yeah. then you have a God who loves you, who, has, who values you, who created you, wants a relationship, a dynamic relationship of give and take with you, and has led you to this point where let's work on you. 
so we can have not just life like you're talking about. You could have had a life, but right. life more abundant. Oh, amen. When Absolutely. you put it in those terms, I mean, I mean, counseling can be so powerful, so powerful. It is. It is powerful. And I, yes, I am blessed that I live close to one of what I think is the most incredible counseling centers I have ever seen. Their mission um, to help people is one of the most incredible ones I have ever seen. And so I feel like they are, um, I hope, I hope we see more of those type of counseling centers connected with churches. I hope we see them popping up around um, the United States because we need to, you know, I read this book recently um, called um, Victory Over the Darkness. Um, and it is such a powerful book. But one of the things that he says in it is, you know, we need to remember that discipleship and counseling really should go hand in hand a lot more than they do. Cause so a lot of times people will do either counseling or, or discipleship type groups where they're like, Oh, I'm in a small group. I'm, you know, I'm studying the Bible. I'm doing this. And then we have counseling kind of like separate. And wouldn't it be wonderful to actually have a little bit more of those together where it's, it's a holistic approach um, where it's not just about, Oh, how is your brain functioning? It's like, how is your soul functioning? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and what are the things that we can learn from the Bible about, I mean, just the idea that we can renew our minds. Right. That's in the Bible. Yeah. People. <laughs> you know? I mean, science is catching up. Like my good, it says Bible. you're going to be transformed. So like, yes. if you don't like where you're at, like, let's dig and find out how, how do I, re how do I do that? Thank you. Yeah. Science is so catching good. up. I like that. Yeah. So that's powerful. <laughs> All right. So I don't want to stop the conversation, but we're getting to a point where we're running out of time. Um, but I did want to give you an opportunity, Jamie, to just kind of speak to our listeners and, and just give them maybe something to, to leave them with um, for, for what's next. Something you, you just want to talk directly to them. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want you to know that you are loved and you are cared for. Um, it may not feel like that right now. It may feel really overwhelming. Um, chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a reason and um, maybe something's going on. Maybe you're just, you know, something isn't quite right. Um, one of the things I would say is if you find yourself talking negatively to yourself a lot or, um, you know, just shaming yourself all the time, that is, you, you, you know, if the inner dialogue is constantly negative, like, oh, you're so stupid or, oh, why are you doing that? Or, um, you know, really hard on yourself. That's something I struggled with and I didn't realize what a, a horrible inner voice I had. Um, that is a, that is a, that's a key that something isn't quite right. Um, and further on in my journey, I learned um, how to speak to myself, how to change that inner dialogue and to focus on the things that are important and that are true. I took scripture verses about specific topics. And when I would have a thought, one of those negative thoughts, I would immediately speak scripture to that thought. And over time that changed. Um, the other thing I would say is pray about someone you can talk to and find a person you can talk to. If you can't afford counseling right now, figure out someone that you trust that, you know, has your best interest 
um, in mind and, and ask if you can set up a, a weekly chat for a while where you just talk about things for a while. Um, get some good books. Um, there's some amazing books out there that can help um, facilitate you on your journey, at least get you started on your journey. Um, one of those is by Rebecca Lyons. Um, I'm spacing the name of it right now, but it is powerful. Maybe we can link it. I, I'll, I'll make sure that we have, oh, it's called Rhythms of Renewal um, by Rebecca Lyons. And that is a powerful book to help with anxiety. Um, then if you want to just check out my books, Finding Brave, um, you can go to my website and, and see the links there. My books are both on Amazon, Finding Brave and Sweet Dreams, Sweet One Good Night are both on Amazon. Um, and so, yeah, I'd love to be part of your journey. I'd love to help you in any way. So please reach out if you need anything um, or need somebody to chat with. Um, I've actually done phone conversations with people before that I didn't even know um, where I would give them an hour of my time and we would just talk. So um, if you need to reach out, please do it. And also conference is coming up. I am so excited to be there and I'm hoping to get to meet um, a lot of you there. And so make sure you come up and chat with me um, after my session. Awesome. That was a great way to end. Um, but there is a little bit more. Uh, Jamie is going to be, um, we're giving away both of her books. Um, the one Sweet Dream, Sweet One, Good Night and Finding Brave. Uh, so all you have to do is head on over to Instagram. You can find the information on uh, the uh, Great Story Podcast Instagram and Jamie Taylor Online uh, on Instagram. Um, so we're, there's going to be specific rules over there. So make sure you go over and enter for your chance to win. So that's two different books. Uh, one, one lucky winner will win one. And of course, another will win the other. So head on over to Grace Story Podcast. Uh, on Instagram and you'll find more on that. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for stepping up to the plate and sharing your story. Um, and I know our listeners have gotten some out of this, but there's so much more going to be shared at conference. So just thank you for coming on today. Absolutely. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And as always, thank you to you, the listener, for joining us for this episode. Um, we hope that every time you listen in to Great Story Podcast, you're getting resources and tools for your journey of restoration. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. But until then, we'll be praying for you. We hope you join us over on Instagram for more. Uh, and we'll see you next time.